Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors in over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. Time now for the second hour of the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. News Talk 710 KNUS. Good to be with you. Once again, 710 KNUS this morning. There's been a lot of change coming to school boards across the state. Denver has a clean slate of leaders in DPS now, where you have a new president and you have a new vice president, secretary, and treasurer. The latter three of those were just elected to the Board of Education. You also have some shakeups in Douglas County, where, unfortunately, the three union-backed candidates were successful. And there are reasons we'll get into this hour for why that may well have happened, what the likely reasons are, or these contributing factors are to that. But one of the big changes that was unexpected is that on Thursday night, at a meeting of the Douglas County School District Board of Education, the president of the board, at least then president, Mike Peterson, resigned, effective yesterday, the next day. And he participated in that meeting. He voted for the new president of the board, which is Christy Williams, with whom he had run on the slate in 2021 best dcsd i think that was excuse actually this this uh slate was best dcsd kids first was the slate from 2021 here's a little bit of the sound of mike peterson on thursday one of the things i've seen as president and it's something i learned as president is that we have a continuum here and the continuum on the far right and the continuum on the far left is incredibly similar. When you look at the spectrum between hate, dislike, tolerance, sympathy, and celebration, we have too many people on the right and the left in the extreme sides that take anything short of celebration of their position as hate, and they label as so. And then what do they do? They create division, whether it's division among board members, whether it's division in the community, whether it's division among everything that we hold dear in Douglas County. And we need to have a president that is willing not to be a partisan, but someone that is a potential partner, a potential partner to other board members with different perspectives, a partner to our community, the people that support our folks in CTE, and first and foremost, a partner to our staff. Mike Peterson is a 25-year military veteran, dad of a special needs student. He is now the former president and a former member of the Douglas County Board of Education, and he joins me now in studio. Good morning, Mike. Welcome back. Good morning, Jimmy. For what may be your final interview, unless there's some reason, I'm like, hey, Mike, I want to wrangle you in for something else, but you're shaking your head. No, there's no way. No way that will happen. Welcome. Um Good to have you here. Thanks for taking some time this early on the, in the morning as well, making the drive out here. 
So what happened? Why did you decide to, to step down from the Doug Coe School Board with two years yet to go in your term? Yeah, there's a lot of things that are all kind of happening at the same time. We've had uh, elections uh, for school board members. We've had 5A, 5B. Um, and why that is uh, happening right now, that actually doesn't have to do with me stepping down. Uh, in fact, I started a business uh, just prior to COVID, me and two other folks, been trying to build it through that time. And uh, in a blessed way, that business is growing exponentially. And even if the uh, conservatives had uh, taken those three seats, even if 5A and 5B had passed, even if Aaron Kane had signed a lifelong contract to be superintendent, I would still be stepping down from the board here due to some work obligations. And legally, I'm actually moving out of the state when my daughter graduates here later in December. And so where are you going? I am heading to the farthest northwest corner of Montana, Big Sky Country. It is absolutely beautiful and wonderful up there, and uh, looking forward to that move. Staying in the Rocky Mountain West, at least, and now uh, a little bit less populated. At yes. Least, at least in the surrounding areas. Yeah, there's not a lot of people up there, and that, that's a good thing for me. And it's a, it's a little rugged, it's a little uncomfortable, and that uncomfortableness is actually very comforting to me. It's my type of place. So looking back, the last two years have been quite a trip. You came onto the board as COVID was receding, but you still had mask mandates. You still had all of these issues that were going on, questions about whether there would be in-person learning. You had substantial learning loss for students. Big picture, and then we'll drill down into a few things. How do you look at your tenure as board president over these past couple of years in Delco? That's a great question, Jimmy, and it's a it's a good time to reflect. Uh, when I look at all the things that I did, um, I don't think I would do anything differently. I think the way I would do some things would be different, um, but the actions I took, I, I probably wouldn't do anything differently. Um, but when I came in, one of the first things that I wanted to do first and foremost was to restore the role and voice of all parents in education. And uh, that's an interesting pr principle because I got a lot of pushback from, from the left and from the right for different reasons. And I, I told everybody, no, don't misunderstand me. This is all parents, the good parents, the bad parents, the stupid parents. The principle here is parent choice. Um, and it's something that I've tried to do through policy and through my actions. Uh, and then the second thing, which was equally as important, as soon as we restored the role and voice of parents, we needed to put those parents back in that mutually respectful partnership with our teachers. Different roles but collaborative partnership for our students. And again, we tried to do that in policy. And then the last thing at kind of the macro level that I was hoping to achieve is to actually get people not to focus on this board because it really isn't about a board. It's not about seven volunteers sitting up there. We have our role, but really what it is about supporting our district, supporting our leadership, starting with Aaron Kane, our great cabinet, all of our teachers, not just the teachers, though, the custodians, the security folks, the nutritional staff, our bus drivers, and giving them the time and space to do what they do well because I honestly believe as a kid's first candidate that the best way you take care of our kids is take care of those that are taking care of our kids let the district do its mission and knock the other stuff off i agree i think that is well said and i'm looking here at one of the handouts that you had given back in 2021 you and this slate the kids first slate 
all about integrity, transparency, accountability, running for the Douglas County School District Board of Education. And I want to go through what you have here as your initial priorities so we can remind folks what you ran on, Mike Peterson, collectively with the three others that were elected along with you in 2021. Number one is build relationships and establish trust. I do think that this is uh, the most subjective of these metrics because, of course, it is how, what kinds of relationships do you have? How much trust do people have? There's always, especially in this day and age, a lot of uh, division and different views on where the school board, whichever school board it is, is going, what have you. How do you assess that one? Yeah, as you said, Jimmy, that's going to be completely subjective. If you were get, having me scored by your listeners, I get everything from an A plus to an F minus. Uh, and I think it's, uh, as I just said, really subjective. But um, if you talk about building trust with the voters for one of the other priorities that I'm sure you'll get to, school funding, that was obviously an affirmative yes. Uh, that took seven directors coming together, finding common ground to get the funding done, which was very much needed for this district. Um, when you look at uh, that trust isn't just in the school board, that trust is in the leadership. We had a lot of discord. We had a lot of internal issues with staff in the district. And in terms of rebuilding the trust of parents, uh, rebuilding the that relationship I just spoke of, of parents and teachers getting along a little bit better, and there's still room for improvement there. And more importantly, building trust in the district leadership from the district. Um, when Erin Kane came in here, she needed a little bit. She'd been in interim before, but she needed a little bit of calm and a little bit of time to do what she does well, which is lead, to communicate, to align, to be decisive, and to have her win over the trust of the staff in the district so it could do its mission. And part of my job there was to give her the space. So that, that trust and relationships isn't necessarily about the board. It's about the functionality of the district. And by that metric, I think we did okay. Now, along the lines of drama, there's a new drama and trust and those kinds of things. One of the three new school board members, Brad Geiger, had this to say at the meeting on Thursday. There's been talk about drama. And as I said repeatedly on the campaign trail, I would like this board to be less often on Kyle Clark's Twitter feed. Um, but the drama has existed, and it has occurred, um, and it is part of what's going on. And on November 7th, the voters pretty much said, we need to stop it. In that regard, uh, of course, Douglas County Schools is going to be on Kyle Clark's Twitter feed all the time, but you did see a lot of headlines and lawsuits and different issues that Douglas County Schools was put in the center of. How do you reflect on that aspect? Yeah, I think back to something uh, Rahm Emanuel said not too long ago, and he said, never let a good crisis go to waste. And the implication there was, if there is crisis, there is opportunity for political power. Um, in that context, uh, certain elements of the board and uh, Douglas County needed perpetual crisis. Uh, so I think a lot of that was clearly manufactured. If you just go down to the last couple of weeks, uh, let's look at a precedent. The previous director that resigned earlier this year was Elizabeth Hansen. She did it completely without notice, off agenda, in the we middle of a that, meeting, yeah. got up and walked out. Um, I could have taken that tact and left the entire district in complete shatters, possibly even without a president um, and, and a crazy board. So I chose to inform my fellow directors and the superintendent via email a few weeks ago, and I said, um, I'm departing, and, and here's the plan, and I'll be announcing it in an upcoming meeting. 
Um, we had a former uh, director leak that, make all types of accus- scandalous accusations of uh, law-breaking and other things, trump it up with the press, and create drama when we needed smooth transitional change. Even to the point of my very last meeting, my personal opinion as one director, we had one director absent, and that was allowing another director to weaponize policy against me to try to censor me at the very last meeting. So it's that constant drama in the background that I believe other board members were creating for their political benefit. And you can't ask for unity and trust and coming together if you're constantly sowing discord in the background. I want to go to number two here, Mike Peterson, and we may touch on some of those aspects again in a bit. Number two was refocus on academics and closing gaps. One thing that I had been struck by is that I think, at least in the Denver metro area, Douglas County has been the only school district to actually recoup all the learning loss uh, per the CMAS results, where we see number seven in the state for Dugco and number one in the metro area. Would you say that that is one indicator of closing gaps and refocusing on academics? How do you assess that? Absolutely. When you look at the mission of this district, I mean, at the core in almost every school district, it's about academic growth, academic achievement, and preparing students for what's next. And by all the common baseline metrics, Douglas County is absolutely crushing it in that area. A lot of that has to do with folks like our learning services officer or chief of learning, Matt Reynolds, who years ago astutely selected science of reading-based program, which has really upped our literacy across all our groups, our our mainstream classroom, our students with special needs, students that have other learning challenges like dyslexia. They are all doing excellent. In fact, at that critical third-grade benchmark, and we know if if our kids don't read at grade level at third grade, 75% of them go on to never read at grade level by 12th. In third grade this last year, we had 87% of our students reading at or above grade level. Um, We have similar types of things in math. And by that metric, which should be the biggest metric by which we measure school success uh, objectively, uh, and I'm not taking credit for this as a board. This is our, our superintendent. This is our cabinet. And most importantly, these are our teachers, our educational assistants from K to 12 that are doing an outstanding job in the classroom to achieve those results along those lines number three and folks seem to be forgetting this in some quarters number three this is from your 2021 handout along with the others on the kids first dcsd slate address competitive compensation for teachers and staff we saw that come about in 5a and 5b this year that passed 5a passed for the compensation piece and last year there was an attempt that wasn't successful uh, talk to me about that one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I, I get hit or I've been hit uh, a lot recently in this last year by, by folks on the right, people that actually voted for me and said, Mike, I can't believe you are putting 5A on the ballot and 5B on the ballot. You did it last year. I can't believe you're going to go back and you're going to raise our taxes. Uh, two responses to that. The board didn't vote to raise your taxes. The board did a very, very conservative thing. We asked the voters to make a decision. I mean, isn't that the founding of our democracy, right, to take of things course. 
This to, required under Tabor, but... Right, right. But to take things to the voters and ask them, what do you think, and to make a case. Um, and the second is, as you just mentioned, we ran on this. This is no mystery, and not just myself. The four candidates on the Kids First Slate, myself, Christy Williams, Becky Myers, Kelly Weininger, from the get-go, from the very first forums, when people asked us about funding, we said, we have an issue. And put your market hat on here. We were getting crushed. We had a massive gap between our average pay and the rest of the Denver metro area. So uh, the way I asked uh, taxpayers is to look at it this way. Pay for performance. We are outperforming and continue to outperform the entire rest of the Denver metro area, but we have a massive outlier uh, average pay to the negative. We are not paying our teachers during a national teacher shortage, so we have to correct this. And I applaud the taxpayers. They just voted what I call one of the best pay for performance uh, investments in Douglas County. You were talking about millennials. So go these future generations. So goes Douglas County. So goes Colorado. So goes the nation. And I think the taxpayers and voters made an outstanding investment in the future of Douglas County through passing 5A. Number four on the list, and I completely agree as someone who advocated for 5A as well as 5B, ensure the in-person learning experience honors parents' expectations. This one seems passe now because, well, we've been back for in-person learning consistently, but at the time, it wasn't so, and there was certainly pressure after you took the positions on the board uh, to keep schools in flux in that regard. Yeah, one of the very first things we did on December 7th, 2021, a date that will live in infamy, uh, the school board on a 4-3 straight you know, party line vote. We're not supposed to be, you know, parties or partisan, but the new kids first four came in and we voted uh, not to ban masking uh, and other things. We came in and voted for parent and individual choice, both for students and staff, choice in masking and choice in vaccination. Uh, And that was critical. We look at all the learning loss. You just mentioned it earlier, Jimmy, that occurred in all these other districts under the guise of experts like old John Douglas up at Tri-County Health Department. Uh, and I said in the board meeting the other night, he was an expert, but he was dead wrong. So you just can't have knowledge and experience and skill. Leadership requires a little bit of judgment. Um, and boy, were they wrong. And, and one of the best things we could do to encourage that academic growth achievement was get our kids back in school and put our parents in charge. And I'll make one more comment about putting parents in charge. One of the most controversial things that this board did, again, on a 4-3 vote, that the left was furious at me about was the phrase that the board um, the board affirms the fundamental right of parents and grandparents to raise their children in accordance with their deeply held beliefs. Um, Deb Flora, your former colleague, asked this question through a documentary, Whose Children Are They? The un, uh, unambiguous answer to that through policy in the Douglas County School District is they're the parents' kids. The parents get to raise their kids. The district's job is to ensure academic growth, achievement, and readiness, and to partner with those parents and ensure parent choice in education. Yeah, it's good to see that we've gone past this, and hopefully we won't get back there. You mentioned John Douglas. I remember interviewing him on this station in April of 2020, in the one interview that I did about, at that time, the 
lockdowns. And it was clear to me that he didn't do any sort of cost-benefit analysis. And that continued to manifest itself until the demise of Tri-County Health, which only came about because of the outrage. And I would say this. uh, I was just double-checking. In June, July of 2020, I was writing columns saying, let's get our kids back in class. And that's of 2020. And I was, uh, you know, it it was a big thing to see candidates like yourselves actually say we want to guarantee in-person learning real quick yeah and it was critical and don't forget it wasn't john douglas's decision ultimately right we had local choice article 9 colorado constitution guarantees local choice in education Mm -hmm. and the board and the superintendent at the time could have uh bucked the system and kept the schools open the school had autonomy but what did they choose to do the former board and former superintendent they Mm -hmm. chose to sue douglas county who was trying to open things up not just for schools business churches and other things um and and you, you can't be a partisan. You have to partner here in Dugco. We got to run to a break. We'll get to number five on the other side and then talk the politics of it all as we continue. Mike Peterson, now former member of the Dugco School Board and former president of the board, joining us in studio on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show, News Talk 710 KNUS. Folks, you're spending Christmas with the blues. That is the best bumper music known to man all season long. Here's a little Greg Allman, may he rest in peace, with Floyd Miles. Great tune, spending Christmas with the blues. As we continue, News Talk 710, KNUS, the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. Mike Peterson joining us here in studio. He is the now former president of the Douglas County School Board. And we've been going through a checklist of sorts from the literature given out when he was part of the successful Kids First Slate in November 2021, we've talked about, number one, build relationships and establish trust. Number two, refocus on academics and closing gaps. That has happened. Douglas County leads the metro area. Number seven in the metro area uh, or in the state, number one in the metro area. They've recouped learning loss that we haven't seen in other metro area school districts. Number three, address competitive compensation for teachers and staff. They were already on board with, we need to pay our teachers more. And that was achieved with the passage of 5A this past month. Number four, ensure the in-person learning experience honors parents' expectations. We've seen that. And now number five, Mike Peterson, let's get to it. Remove adult politics from our schools and focus on getting back to basics by teaching reading, writing, and arithmetic. One of the things that most significantly comes to mind here for me is the change in the equity policy. Talk to us about number five. Yeah, the equity policy, uh, that was something that was obviously a little bit of a a landmine. Um, I don't personally uh, like the term equity. It all depends on how you define it and what it is. Um, When you look at the first draft that the previous board uh, put together, it wasn't in what was passed, but the first draft was about dispelling the myth of meritocracy. Uh, Meritocracy is good. Meritocracy makes us successful. Meritocracy was the cornerstone of the profession that I came from, the U.S. military, where you were, uh, everything was merit, uh, based on merit and we put service before self. So addressing the equity policy, uh, I as one person thought it was platitudinous, euphemistic, and could be used for what anybody wanted it to be used for and it needed to be more specific. I came in in December and I said, we should get rid of this thing. But after time, I actually sat and listened to folks. Believe it or not, 
I sat with Elizabeth Hansen. I sat with uh, members of our community, and I tried to understand what they were trying to achieve. And I only listened to the good things uh, that they were trying to achieve. And what we wound up doing was actually not tearing it up. We just amended it and added it to it to give it some clarity. We expanded the definition of diversity to uh, uh, not ironically make the uh, district more diverse to include perspectives and skills and knowledge to collaborate. And then we added three critical parts concrete KPI type of stuff, things that you can measure that were linked to our district. And so the first thing we added to that policy was to ensure inclusive access to district programs, benefits, and post-secondary pathways for all students. The second thing we added was to ensure we provide support and resourcing to enable each student to reach his or her individual potential, realizing that individual students may require differing amounts and types of support and resources to achieve that goal. That's directly out of our mission statement as a district and vision. And then the third thing we did is say that the purpose of this equity policy, the third thing is to empower educators and staff to create a learning environment where all students, staff, and community members feel safe and valued to promote academic growth and achievement, assist students to advance in their development of essential skills, increase self-regulating behaviors, help-seeking resiliency, healthy coping skills, and a sense of belonging. And the final bullet is to develop student critical thinking and problem-solving skills that are essential for post-secondary success. I don't know how anyone argues with defining success and equity as access, resourcing, and developing skills for post-secondary success. Yeah, you know, one of the things, and I wrote about this in multiple columns, the changes that you voted in, and I think that strategically it was the right way to go because you were building a more of a consensus. You didn't throw everything out, which meant that you were were being conciliatory to, in, in some respect, which makes for a stronger case when you're trying to advance substantive changes. And you added meaningful components here that actually took a term that should mean something in terms of equity and brought it into a mold that actually has genuine meaning, that has some real pieces and elements to it that will promote greater student success and opportunity in the longer term. And you expanded the definition of diversity to be more diverse than just race and ethnicity in essence. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's really the job of a board. The board's supposed to do the the, the why. What, what are we show, trying to achieve and why are we trying to achieve it? Then you let the superintendent and the staff do the how. That's their job. And if, if you have imprecise terms or terms that can mean, in many cases, polar opposites, depending on interpretation, your job as a board is to clarify. And I think the biggest thing this policy needed was that concise language, something we can measure, something we can hold our superintendent accountable to and something that we can map back directly to that mission yeah yeah redirect the focus of these terms in the proper context and direction much better approach than what was being done before and more realistic than let's just get rid of the whole thing to be sure mike peterson joining us here in studio and on thursday night at the board meeting he talked a little bit about the politics of it all and specifically on the right the Douglas County Republican Party. Your job as a board is not to align to the Democrats, to the Republicans. Your job is to protect and support and resource and back this district as as a servant leader. 
And I will tell you, I think the Douglas County GOP is dysfunctional. I think the left here is dysfunctional, not just in Douglas County in Colorado. If you want to read my opinions on the Douglas County GOP, read Joy Overbeck's article of November 24th. I will not disagree with a single word. And when you look at what went on in the Golden Dome to all voters in response to Proposition HH, and you look at an email that all our directors received from our governor asking us to defund ourselves that doesn't show that our governor understands School Finance Act, um, we cannot have that type of division. They, and I'm talking about both sides, have picked partisanship. And a lot of people have said, wait till it gets bad enough, people will change. This board and the president does not have to wait until it gets bad enough in Douglas County. The six of you can choose partnership over partisanship. The Douglas County GOP, you know, on Tuesday, my column for the Denver Gazette was on Colorado self-defeating GOP striking again. We see at the state level the party shooting itself in the foot. And I agree. I spoke about it the Saturday after the election. On this program, I agree with your assessment there. I agree with Joy Overbeck's column for Complete Colorado on November 24th. The Douglas County GOP helped blow school board election. Uh, and I would say that that was a, a, another instance of a self-defeating GOP shooting itself in the foot. But your perspective, sir. Yeah, and first I want to be clear. Um, conservatives, uh, whether they're members of the Republican Party, whether they're independents, uh, they're great, wonderful people, and we have a lot of them here in Douglas County. Um, there are actually some great, wonderful people on the left as well. There are just good people here in Douglas County that have differing perspectives. Uh, so I am not critiquing uh, our, our general uh, electorate here, but I think we have an issue with the leadership. Uh, we have issues with leadership, as I said, in that, that soundbite, uh, both on the left and the right. Um, I think this is more of an error of omission. This isn't really an active uh, blowing it. This is a uh, an error of omission. And by that, I mean the Douglas County GOP generally stayed out of these nonpartisan elections. Uh, they really weren't involved in the school board. Uh, they may, just like any other political group, may uh, say we prefer what this candidate's saying or that candidate, but they weren't really trying to run the candidates. Uh, with the new leadership that happened earlier this year, they decided to put together what they called a victory committee. I called it the pick for me committee, uh, and they decided to start monkeying a little bit uh, in some of these nonpartisan races. And what they chose to do in this case is back a single candidate and kind of just forget that there's three other conservatives running in this race. And that's exactly against their bylaws. If you look up the Douglas County GOP website and you look up their bylaws under Article 2, Section 2, and I quote, the primary purpose of this organization shall be to elect Republican candidates to office, not ones that oppose funding schools, not ones that we like, not ones that, that dress well or don't, to elect Republicans. So if you're going to meddle, that should be it. And they should have said, we support the four candidates in the race. Two of them are running in the same race. You decide, but we support four of them. And if you look under Section 3 of their bylaws, Section 3C, additional purposes, is promoting support only for Republican candidates for county, state, national offices. They did not provide any support. In fact, they uh, maligned, in some cases, some extreme people, three wonderful candidates. 
Andy Jones, a servant to this to this district through Highlands Ranch and other things. Maria Sumnick, an IT professional coming in that could have added value, knowledge, and skill. And Jason Page, a person of impeccable character. And the last thing, Section 3E they, uh, is to encourage a strong Republican organization and encouraging citizens to exercise their American right to vote. What do you think 5A and 5B was? It was exactly that, but they came out in opposition to it. And that, I think, was a strategic error. Yeah, to me, when you have uh, all these candidates and you just promote one and make very clear you're promoting one and also advocating against an issue that three of the candidates have adopted, in this case they were supportive of 5A and 5B, you were undercutting in the county. In fact, Jason Page, who ran against David DiCarlo, and who won in that that race was that? That was Brad Geiger's Brad race. Geiger. But Geiger. if you look at the math and you add up David DiCarlo and Jason Page, it's more, they had a yep. larger total vote count than Brad Geiger a- did. Exactly. And that was symptomatic of the Ross Perrowing of Douglas not County. Not only that, Jason Page did better than David DiCarlo by several percentage points. Yeah, and that seems to be a, a, a habit with this current leadership is we're going to run candidates that we support based on an individual principle or, or one litmus test, they finish dead last and then they pat themselves on the back for being principled. And, and I don't recall in 2022 the Douglas County GOP at the time taking a position on 5A and 5B instead left it open for folks to decide on their own as voters. Well, in 2021, that was accurate. So last year, Jimmy, okay. there was no stance by the Republican Party on 5A or 5B. They just said we don't they didn't say that they supported. They didn't say they opposed. Early this year, and I was present at the meeting when this happened, there was a motion made in the executive committee to have a official party stance to oppose all school funding uh, measures, whatever they may be on the ballot. We hadn't even as a board voted to put 5A or 5B on the ballot. Uh, Do you know who made that motion at that meeting? I'm going to answer it for you. David DiCarlo. So the one person that benefited from singular support from the Republican Party was the one that made the motion at that meeting to oppose any taxes. And they did not learn from a huge mistake of the Democrats. When the Democrats on a national level came out against what should be a bipartisan institution, when we talk police, fire, schools, teachers, these are not partisan issues. This is a chance for the community to come together and support some of our core institutions, and schools are one of them. By coming out against school funding, you're creating, you're not learning the lesson that the Democrats should have learned from the defund the police movement. We saw what the defund the police movement got us in terms of lawlessness, chaos, and discord in our cities. Defunding the schools will have produced a similar effect in our academics and our future generations. Two additional points. We've only got a couple more minutes in this segment, Mike Peterson, but uh, one, 5A did pass. 5B did not. But 5A did pass, which showed voter support in this election that was strong. And you can wonder, OK, what's the impact of the Colorado or the, rather the Douglas County GOP vocally opposing 5A and 5B on turnout and participation and engagement and how they voted and who they voted for? I think that's a reasonable question. The other aspect is when Elizabeth Hansen, we mentioned her before resigned in a spectacular display of performative grandstanding. And I I remember playing audio on this program from that meeting when she did her spur-of-the-moment resignation. Very different from how you approach this, of course. And also uh, did it in columns where I wrote about it. 
she resigned. You did a process for finding somebody to replace her, and that person was Jason Page, who obviously was going to run for a full term. And he ran for a full term, was opposed by another Republican. The party backed that Republican and nobody else um, among the four Republican candidates. And what did we have? We had more votes for the two Republican candidates in that district than Brad Geiger got. David DiCarlo getting fewer votes than Jason Page. And you have a liberal now on the board in that position, making for three, where all you need next time is for the, the, the union-backed candidates to win one seat. And bada-boom, bada-bing, the majority switches again. Yeah, so uh, that's exactly correct, Jimmy. And that's the lack of strategic thinking, uh, trying to win the battle but lose the war. And, and really, that's, that's what we need is we need some new leadership here. Um, when you do that, when you oppose something is essential to the community and essential to all people, left, right, and middle, is school funding. When and I'm telling you, Jimmy, when I came in and 5B passed, I haven't felt such anxiety and pressure come out of the district since the COVID restrictions ended. 5A when 5A, yeah. excuse me, when 5A passed, the the pressure coming off of our teachers to allow them to stay, to allow them to care for their families, to allow them to do their job better, you could feel it, and so many people were relieved. I was at an election night party that was actually for the best DCA, DCSD uh, slate. Our waitress was one of our teachers, and that should speak volumes. And the look on her face when 5A passed is worth every bit of it. So my last thing to the D.C. GOP and to the Democrats, if you think back to our Revolutionary War, Ben Franklin made a nice little banner, and it said, join or die. And it was a snake, and it was segmented. The Republicans and the conservatives need to join or they will die. There's another great snake analogy for the Democrats, though. Uh, You know, just in this special session, the uh, the Democrats told the Republicans, hold my beer. And they are the snake that is eating its own tail because Mm -hmm. they have intersectional cannibalism going on. Some of the pure hate that has been spewed under the Golden Dome with a governor who is Jewish just blows my mind. So both parties are dysfunctional. Both parties need to come together. Let's be clear. The right didn't... Uh, or rather, the left didn't win in Douglas County School Board race. The right lost. That was quite clear. Also, by the way, just a quick note about Andy Jones. A tremendous guy, true conservative. I've known him going back to when we were both at the Republican National Convention in 2016 together. And that was a, a darn shame seeing him uh, lose that race. We're going to take a quick break. We'll have a couple more minutes on the other side. Mike Peterson in studio. Jimmy Sangenberger, 710 KNUS. With apologies to the Eagles, because we are tight on time, we got to wrap up this hour. Jimmy Sangenberger here with you, one of the great Christmas classics. Please come home for Christmas, the Eagles version. As we wrap up and wind down with Mike Peterson here in studio, he is now former member of the Doug Coe School Board, former president, resigned effective yesterday. And Mike, we've got about 45 seconds for a final word for you. Really appreciate the time today. Yeah, if I have a final word here, it's it's simply what I said at the board meeting the other night, and this is beyond the school board. This is all of Doug You can be a partner, you can be a partisan, but you can't be both. And I'm not saying compromise with people, uh, you know, compromise your principles. Find common issues where people already share the same principle or issues you and go for it. And my last thing, I would be remiss if I did not thank Jimmy Sangenberger, the king of the best bumper music known to man, uh, the master <laughs> of shady right. business. 
business and his advocacy for 5A and his loyalty uh, to this county and for being my friend. So thank you, Jimmy. You bet, Mike Peterson. Best of luck to you and Merry Christmas as well. Happy New Year. Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525.